Amen. 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 Take your Bible, if you would, and turn to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Thank you so much for that testimony. Wonderful time of worship and praise this morning. Luke chapter 9. I want to preach a message entitled, A Perfect Illustration. A perfect illustration. I can take you to the very uh, spot in the hallway of the convention um, where God got a hold of my heart. We had just had an incredible time of praise and worship. It was at a Tennessee Baptist convention. It was many years ago just lifted our hands as a group of Baptists and many churches gathered around and, and I walked out into the hallway and there was a group of pastors standing around me and they asked this question, they said, how are things going at your church? And I began to tell them how that we had gone from 100 to about 550, 600 and how that we were baptizing almost a hundred every year. Begin to tell them about how the uh, numbers, the budget was up, and I began to tell them about this and about that. And, and I tell you, as I was talking, so full of pride and so full of hubris, I remember the exact moment that the Holy Spirit of the living God convicted my heart. I'm telling you right now, we could all get in a caravan and I could take you to that very spot. I don't know if it's ever happened in your heart where the Holy Ghost takes you to the woodshed and there's bloodshed. But that's what happened in my heart. He so convicted me of what I was saying that I stopped mid-sentence. I excused myself to find a corner to get on my face before my God. I believe with all of my heart and with all of my soul this morning that the text that is before us as we preach our way through the gospel according to Luke. I believe the text that is before us speaks to my heart. I believe that it will speak to your heart. And my prayer is that it will speak to our church as a whole this morning. So take your Bible, Luke chapter 9. Stand with me and allow your eyes to fall beginning on verse 43. Luke 9 and verse 43. The Bible says, and they were all amazed at the majesty of God. But while everyone marveled at all the things which Jesus did, he said to his disciples, let these words sink down into your ears, for the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. 
But they did not understand this saying, and it was hidden from them so that they did not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about this saying. Then a dispute arose among them as to which of them would be greatest. And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a little child and set him by him and said to them, Whoever receives this little child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all will be great. Now John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. And we forbade him because he does not follow with us. But Jesus said to him, do not forbid him. For he who is not against us is on our side. Let's pray. Our Father God, in the name of Jesus, we bow before you. And Lord God, we thank you so much for your word. It is alive. It is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Dear God, it sure has gotten a hold of my heart this week. And I pray that it will get a hold of every heart in this church house this morning. Father, I pray that as you zero in on us as individuals and as you zero in on us as a church today, I pray that we will have ears to hear what you have to say. Father, I ask this morning because I need it so badly. I pray for clarity of thought and excellent recall of the things that I've studied, those things that I've bathed in prayer, and I pray, Lord God, not by rote, but from the bottom of my heart, I pray that you would draw a circle around this preacher and let the fire of heaven fall. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. There are two things that I want you to notice in this passage of Scripture uh, this morning. First of all, I want us to notice together the petty argument. The petty argument. When you look at our text beginning in verse 43, it says, And they were all amazed at the majesty of God, but while everyone marveled. I I love those two words, amazed and marveled. They're they're amazing and they're marvelous. I, I love those two words. The Bible says, but they were all amazed. That word amazed means that they were at a loss. They were at a complete loss. It means that that they were gasping in astonishment, that, that they were dumbfounded. That, that's what that word means, that they were dumbfounded, listen, at the majesty of God. Now, that word majesty is an amazing word. It means the exaltedness of God. It, it means the superbness of God, the magnificence of God. They were dumbfounded about that. Now, what's the context? 
The context is last week we, we looked at Jesus as he confronted a little boy that had an evil spirit. This little boy was demon-possessed, and if you remember last week, it is the most violent demon possession recorded in the New Testament. This demon would maul this little boy, make him go into convulsions. He would foam at the mouth. The Bible says that, that the demon would slam him on the ground and toss him often in the fire and often in the water. And Jesus walks up in all the power that he has and casts that demon out. And the Bible says when that happened, they were amazed. They were dumbfounded at the majesty, the magnificence of God. Then it says this, but while everyone marveled, that word marveled means this, it means something that they could not explain. We would say it like this, they were on the edge of their seat. They marveled at all the things which Jesus did. They were not just amazed at, at what had just happened, but they marveled. They could not explain all that he was doing. Every disease that he had power over amazed them, marveled them. Every demon that he cast out, every time he did a miracle like walking on the water or feeding the 5,000 with a little boy's lunch, it amazed them. They were marveled by that. Every time he raised someone from the dead, every time he stilled a storm, they were, they were marveled by that. And when all of that was going on, when they were amazed and when they were marveling, the Bible says, he said to his disciples, notice what it says in verse 44. He said to his disciples, verse 44, it says this. Let these words sink down into your ears. So while they were amazed, he said, let these words sink down into your ears. That's a powerful phrase. And what it means is this, let this truth lay on your heart until you get it. It means to be fixed and to be established in your innermost being. If we were talking today, we would say it like this, let it get through your thick skull. That's the way we would say it in today's vernacular. Let that get through your thick skull. It's obvious that, that these disciples had selective hearing. Do you know anybody with selective hearing don't point? Somebody that just can't really understand the words. I heard about a hobo uh, that went to a big, beautiful home and he knocked on the door of this big, beautiful home and he kept knocking. And finally, the wealthy homeowner came to the door, and the hobo, the homeless fellow, looked at him, and he said, I'm hungry, and I need some money for a meal. And that well-to-do homeowner looked at him, and he said, listen, look at all of this. I didn't get all of this by just giving things away. I want you to go to the back. You'll find a gallon of paint 
and a clean brush, and I want you to paint my porch. So the guy went around, and about an hour later, he came back, and he knocked on the front door, and he said, I'm finished. He said, you're already finished? He said, well, come on in, and I'll... I'll have our cook make you something. And as they were walking to the kitchen, this hobo looked at him and said, I really appreciate your kindness, but sir, you don't know anything about automobiles because that was not a Porsche, that was a, a Mercedes. <laughs> he, had, he, he had problems hearing. He had problems understanding. We've all been there before. And the disciples were definitely there. And the reason is this, and don't miss this, church. The reason is this, because they did not want to hear what Jesus had to say. What Jesus was talking about did not register to them because he was talking about the fact that he was the promised Messiah. And when, when they got a hold of that, they knew this, that he was supposed to be victorious, that he was supposed to come and take care of Israel's enemies. And, and so that, that's what they were expecting. So when they heard this next thing, they, it really just did not translate well with them. Look at verse 44. Let these words sink down into your ears. What? For the Son of Man, the promised one, the anointed one, me, Jesus, is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. Now let me just tell you that this was pointing to several things. First of all, it was pointing to Judas. The Bible says in Matthew 26, beginning in verse 20, And when evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. And now as they were eating, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And as they were exceedingly sorrowful, and each one of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish, listen, will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? And he said to him, You have said. So it's talking about Judas. But not only that, it's talking about Pilate. The Bible says in Matthew 27 and verse 26, listen to these words, they're on the screen. Then he released Barabbas to them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him, notice that word, he delivered him to be crucified. You see that word betrayed uh, when you look at that in the Greek, it means to be delivered. It means to be handed over. It, it's a technical term in, in the Greek language. And so it's talking about Judas. It's pointing ahead. It's talking about Pilate. But church, listen, it's also talking about something that is so much deeper than that. Because, listen, the death of Jesus was plan A and there was no plan B. Amen? The Bible says this in Isaiah 53 and verse 10. 
Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. The very opening words of that verse, it pleased the Lord, God the Father, to bruise him, God the Son. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 22, it says it like this. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves also know him, listen, being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death. Paul mentions it in Romans 8 and verse 32. He mentions it like this. He who did not spare his own son, listen, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? The disciples did not want to hear this. They wanted him to ride in on a white horse and be victorious over Israel. And he is saying that I'm going to be betrayed and, and that I'm going to be killed. The Bible says over in Revelation 13 and verse 8, All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb, the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Church, they did not want to hear this. The disciples following Jesus did not want to hear this. It was of no interest to them. I love getting in a car and driving around with Scooter. It's really a lot of fun. He's a lot of fun. And usually when we're driving around heading somewhere, I either have a uh, a preacher owned like David Jeremiah or Charles Stanley or someone like that. Every once in a while I listen to myself. Or I'm listening to ESPN. And I'm just going to be honest with you. He, he, he has no interest in, in what's on the radio, even when it's me. He has absolutely no interest. He, he could not care less about ESPN and the Tennessee Vols or the Braves or the Super Bowl, the World Series. But if a commercial comes on and they say French fries, he will look over to me and say, French fries? <laughs> and then if a commercial comes on and, and, and he loses his mind when he hears quesadilla. He, he loses his ever-loving mind. It was so funny the other day. We were driving down the road, and, and I don't remember the commercial, but they said quesadilla. And he was looking out the window, and he went, quesadilla? And I said, yeah, quesadilla. But what's really funny is when somebody says the name Daniel. That flips him out. Daniel, they're talking about me. No, not really, but okay. 
other than French fry, quesadilla, and Daniel, he has no interest in what is being said. The disciples were the same way. They really had no interest in what Jesus was saying. But there was another part of that as well. Notice what the Bible says in verse 45. But they did not understand this saying, and it was hidden from them so that they did not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about it. In other words, it was concealed. This concealing, it's evident, was done by a divine action. God concealed this and I believe one of the main reasons is because they were not at the point where they could handle it. If they truly understood what was right around the corner, they would have been elbows and heels. They would have taken off and they would have been running for dear life. And so they could not really take take it in, so it was concealed. If he would have allowed them at this point to understand it, they would have missed the last six months of their training before The crucifixion. Because they said, listen, um, we we can't get this, that you're going to be betrayed. Mark's gospel also said that they they understood Jesus to say he not only was going to be betrayed, but he was going to be killed. And right after that, this, this argument takes place, this this dispute. Look at verse. Look at verse 46. Then a dispute arose among them as to which of them would be the greatest. The timing of this dispute amazes me. By the word, in the Greek, the the, the word dispute means calculation. It means deliberation. That that word means a plotting. I just play it out in my mind. They they were arguing. They were disputing about who is the greatest. Bartholomew walks up and Bartholomew says, "Uh, Guess what? I, uh, I, I just healed a blind man. And Thomas said, Really? Hmm. I healed... Two blind men. And Philip said, boys, 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 you amateurs. I healed two blind men and cast a demon out of a woman. Uh, Who's going to be the greatest now? And then Peter, James, and John walk up and they say, oh, you're kidding me. We just saw Jesus in all of his brilliance on a high mountain. And by the way, we talked to Moses and Elijah. And so they were jockeying for position. Jesus had just said, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm I'm going to die. They walk up and they say, hey, settle this. Who's the greatest? Who's going to get to ride shotgun in your kingdom? Or you just leave a worship service and you walk out into a convention hall You just leave a worship service where you're exalting King Jesus and and you walk out into a a convention hall and and you've got I-itis and it's all myopic and and I did this and our church did that and we baptized these. 
pride is ugly. Pride wants to dethrone God. One writer put it like this. Pride wants to un-God God. But what I want us to see this morning is verse 46 again. It says, then a dispute arose among them. Pride ruins unity. Pride destroys relationships. This dispute arose among them. You see, they were used to this in that culture. Religious leaders, every time they walk into a synagogue, they look for the best seats in the place. The rabbis, when they designed their robes, they they wanted larger and larger tassels. When the religious leaders would pray, they would go to an intersection so they could be seen with men. Ambition and competition. Competition and ambition. What Jesus is saying is this, salvation comes when you realize that you are nothing and the journey continues when you realize you're still nothing. You missed a great place for an amen right there. And you still missed it. Amen! (laughs) We live like there are two kings. There's only one king. Uh, thank you. We, we live like there, there are two thrones, and there's only one throne, real throne. King Jesus should sit on that throne. See, Jesus would settle a little debate. Mark's gospel said that they asked them, or Jesus asked them what they were disputing about. Evidently, he asked them, they kept silent, and, and then they asked him to intervene. We see the petty argument. Secondly, I want you to see something else. I love this. The perfect answer. The perfect answer. Jesus gave the perfect answer with a perfect illustration. Look at what it says in verse 47. And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a little child and set him by him and said to them, whoever receives this little child in my name receives me and whoever receives me receives him who sent me for he who is least among you also will be great. The perfect illustration is a child. And why it was perfect is this, don't miss this. The rabbis in that day really could not hardly tolerate children. If you read what they wrote and what was written about them, the rabbis, many of the religious leaders, they could not tolerate children because children just take and they don't give in their mind. They made no contribution to society. I'm hungry. How many of you have children? How many of you have grandchildren? I'm bored. I have 
something in my diaper. Here's the theme verse for our nursery here at White Oak. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Amen? That's a good, that's a good verse. That's a good verse for our nursery. I'm hungry. I'm bored. I messed my diaper up. Jesus knew how they felt, and so he takes this child that they thought contributed nothing to society. He takes this child, and he stands there. You see, the disciples themselves had been influenced by their society. The Bible says in Luke 18, we'll get there in three or four years. Luke 18, (laughs) in verse 15, it says this, Then they also brought infants to him, Jesus, that he might touch them, but when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. Jesus called them to him and said, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. So he put a little child there. He put a a little child there, and and he, he really began to talk to them about the reason that they had trouble with children. Children have no accomplishments and they have no achievement. And what Jesus is saying is this, you think you have accomplishments, but you don't. You think you have achievements, but you don't. Nothing in my hand I bring simply to the cross. I cling. Verse 48, it says this, And he said to them, Whoever receives... This little child in my name, listen, receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all will be great. Perfect illustration. It must have been. Because I think John got under conviction. You know why I think he got under conviction? Because he tried to change the subject. Look at verse 49. Now John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and hey, we forbade him because he does not follow with us. I can see all the rest of the disciples. Yeah, let's, get to, let's talk about that. Let's get off this greatest thing. Let's talk about that, my soul. That, yeah, that, that's what we need to talk about now. But what they didn't realize is they went from individual pride to group pride. But Jesus realized it. What did, what did, they, what did John say? He does not follow with us. Now they just went to group pride. And Jesus answered in verse 50, Do not forbid him, for he who is not against us is on our side. Isn't that good? In other words, there's no middle ground. There's no gray area. You're either for Jesus or you're against Jesus. And so in this passage of Scripture, here he is. He he just left healing. He just left stilling a storm. He, He just left 
casting out this demon from this little boy. They were amazed and, and they marveled at that. And so Jesus took this time when they were standing around in amazement. He took this time and he said, by the way, I'm going to be betrayed. And, and by the way, I'm going to be killed. And that went right over their head. And they said, well, why are you talking about that? Will you answer this question? Who's the greatest? Who's going to get to ride shotgun in your kingdom? Can I tell you something? Our God cannot stand pride and hubris. The dispute arose among them. It's in our text for this morning. The dispute arose among them. And let me tell you why it, it jumped into my heart. It jumped into my heart because the Holy Spirit took me back to years and years and years ago. When I was standing with my chest stuck out, when I was standing and, and I was just talking about all that I had done and all that our church had done way back yonder in a different zip code, in a, in a different area. And, and I looked and I saw my brothers. And I knew this one pastored a very small church. And this one was struggling in his church. The Holy Spirit crushed my heart. Because pride hurts other people. So this week, this passage so got a hold of my heart. And this is what I pray for your heart. Are you listening? Say amen. This is what I pray for your heart this morning. You may get this or you may not get this. French fries. Quesadilla. Quesadilla. Your name. My name. Because there are many times we read through the Word of God or we listen to a sermon and it goes right over our head. But there are times when the Holy Spirit of the living God gets a hold of our heart and we hear our name. I sure heard it. And sometimes as an individual, you got to find a corner and get on your face. And sometimes as a church, you got to find an altar and get on your face. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. In just a moment, we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. 
And I want you to listen very carefully to what I'm about to say. If you're here today, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. If you're here today and you have never been saved or you're ready to make that decision today, I invite you to come so that we can share Christ with you. Jesus, Revelation 13, Jesus who was slain before the foundation of this world. He died for you and he died for me. It was plan A, it was not plan B. There's no plan B. So if you're here today and you've never been saved, I encourage you to come and get on bended knee or come straight to me and, and we'll share Jesus with you. If you're here today and the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart like he spoke to my heart so many years ago and so many times since then. Maybe you want to come and just get on your knees before God. The doors of this church are open. We'd love to have you come and place your life here. Maybe you've been visiting and, and, and you know what kind of church this is. We believe in the Word of God. And we'll preach it without fear or favor. God has spoken. You come. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Would you stand all over this auditorium? Just stand and I'm going to pray. Right after I pray, I invite you to come. Father, Father, in the name of Jesus, I bow before you. And God, I ask, oh God, I ask that we would hear. Jesus looked at them and said, let this word go down deep in your heart. Let it lay on your heart. And God, I pray today as individuals, and I pray today corporately as a church, that this word would lay on our heart. And that we would respond. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing together. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But sometimes I wonder what he can do through me. No great success to show. No glory of my own, yet in my weakness he is there to let me know. His strength is perfect when our strength is gone. He'll carry us when we Carrying on, raised in his power, the weak become strong. His strength is perfect. His strength is perfect. We can
His strength in us begins when ours comes to an end. He hears our humble cry and proves church let me tell you what happened right here this is tony tony mayo it's leanne's dad i did uh, his wife's funeral several months ago he's been coming to church really ever since then and right there he just gave his heart to jesus shared with him. <laughs> I just shared with him Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.8, but God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When I said that, he said, thank you, Jesus. Romans 10, 13, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Tony, are you ready? I'm ready. And he called upon the name of the Lord. And he's on his way to heaven. Amen. Amen. I asked him, I said, do you want to be baptized? He said, yes, indeed. We're going to have to have some help. But we're going to baptize him. We're going, amen. Amen. We're going to baptize him. Hey, listen, if you were as excited as I am, would you say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Do you realize just what happened today? Someone that was headed to hell is now headed to heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 In just a moment, we're going to walk by and we're going to shake your hand, we're going to hug your neck as we welcome you and uh, next week if it's good with you we can baptize you we'll fill that water we'll put some heat on it and uh, we'll take care of that we'll take care of that um, let's pray and then Joyce is going to come up she has a word that she's going to share and then I want Laz to close us in prayer and right after Laz says amen, listen, don't leave. You come up here and you welcome, Tony, to the kingdom of God and to White Oak. Don't forget that Tuesday is our annual meeting at New Salem Baptist Church. Wednesday, we're continuing the series on the cults. And this weekend, there's a little wedding. Saturday at 2. 
it is the wedding of the century. <laughs> and, uh, and I know you're excited about it. I'm excited about it. If you will, just stand right here with Tony. She's going to share something. I'm going to leave. And um, Laz, close us in prayer and remind everybody to come by and welcome these. We'll have baptism next week. I sit in Silverdale for 96 days, and every day I was in there, I would pray. My daddy would call me. I'd call home. You know, it, was, it wasn't safe. And I've been coming to White Oak for about 11 years now, a long time. And uh, when Mama passed away in July, everybody was like, Leanne, how do you keep going? I said, because God's got me. I didn't know what to do. But I knew I had to be strong because I had a living God in me. And if it wasn't for my God, I'm so blessed that I could actually stand here beside my daddy and say, Daddy, we'll see her again together. Please, if there's anybody you know that don't know our God, don't be pressure. Don't make, don't make them feel, hey, come on, let's go to church. It ain't going to work. I've been working on my daddy for over a year, yo. I'll get up. I'll go down to church today. I'm going to church. Okay, I'll see you later. I'll get back home. I say, Daddy, I had a good time at church today. Did you? I tell him about it. And I didn't ask him. I asked him a couple times to go. But when he started wanting to go, it made it feel so much better. I get my glory bumps is what I call them. My glory bumps, my God is such an awesome God. And without him, I don't know where I would be. I don't know where I would be without this home church. This is my church. When I talk about my church, I say, this is my church. My God serves my church. My people love me here, and they love our daddy. <laughs> my sister's been coming with me. I'm working on her, too, and this is my little saying, this little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. Oh, this little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine. Oh, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. So, I just want y'all to know. I asked Pastor Tony last week when my dad asked me last Sunday when we left church if he said, Lee, I got a problem. I said, what is it, Daddy? He said, I want to join the church. I said, well, he said, can you save me? And you know what I got to do? I got to get my Bible open. I got to sit down beside my daddy, and I got to save my old daddy. Praise God. <laughs> 